Hello and welcome to the Moonshots podcast. It's an episode 24. It's huge. It's enormous. 24 shows. I can't believe it. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And as usual, I'm joined by the man himself, Chad Owen. Hey there, Mike. I am so excited to share this next batch of episodes with all of our listeners. Where in the world have we been recently? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We went to Bucharest, Romania, and uh, somewhere I frequent regularly, but you were there for the first time. What were your impressions of the fabulous city of Bucharest? Oh, I loved it. It was my first time in Eastern Europe, and I was just blown away by the people and the culture, and uh, dare I say the innovation I experienced firsthand uh, while there, uh, both doing some work uh, but also uh, putting together a Moonshots Live broadcast uh, in Bucharest. Yeah, it was it was really great, R- really good energy. And you know what? It was a very distinct flavor of entrepreneurialism, of innovation. You know, Romania is a country that's been through a lot and they're sort of in a brand new chapter of growth and emerging into this Western world. And I would have to say the overall theme of the the show where we had four different guests, it was resilience, 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 wasn't it? Yeah. And grit, you know, another way of saying that. Yeah. It was fascinating to me now having done a live show in Amsterdam and in Bucharest and then doing, you know, a lot of work here in the States and in New York and San Francisco, how different each of the cities is when it comes to the innovation Mm. culture, but how they're all tackling it in their own unique style. And so that's just been really fun for me to to see firsthand. Yeah. And and I and I I think what was so special about the four guests that we had on the show in Bucharest was each of them had like really clear learnings and ideas that they wanted to share. And I think no one encapsulates that better than our first guest. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, we had we had four amazing guests from all different walks of life and entrepreneurial ventures in Romania. And our first guest, Elena Kostoyu, cut her teeth in the Linux server, web hosting, and and kind of communications uh, business. But you know, she said that she was a little too early. Uh, and the only thing that made you know her company work was that she never gave up. Yeah, I mean, very strong learning. And in fact, they had to really wait, I believe it was four or five years until actually the uh, 2008 financial crisis struck. And that's when the business took off because they were such a cost-effective new solution on the market. That was finally what it took to explode business growth and and to get on the way with HubGets, their universal messaging platform. And it was really a great story. I mean, they waited around four or five years before it really took off. So she she came with that very strong idea. And it's something we've seen in the show a lot, Chad, don't give up and sticking to it, staying the path and soldiering on even when it feels really tough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And her stories were so great. And I wish, you know, you, the listener could be there in the room because everyone was just kind of raptly uh, listening to Elena. I don't think we all expected to be like dropped in so, so quickly 
in into into learning uh, from from her deep experience. Oh yeah, you're so right. She just like out, out of the gates, she was a quick starter. She's not like Usain Bolt, who takes a while to get going. She just came out, boom, and hit us with the wisdom, and everybody just thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, I think there's a lot we can take out of this theme of not giving up and staying the course. So, um, what do you think, Chad? Should we get into uh, our interview with Elena? Yeah, and. Uh- we will be publishing the the remaining interviews from our Moonshots Live broadcast on an accelerated schedule. But let's go live to Bucharest and hear from Elena Kristoy. Would you all please welcome Miss Elena Kristoy? <laughs> Take a seat and get comfy. Now, um, before we get into the serious two-time founder entrepreneurial story, who's fresh off the plane from uh, from Munich? Yeah. Yeah. From Frankfurt. From Frankfurt. Okay. We went to a trade show called Cloudfest. Okay. So, with the team, of course. But the team is still there. I'm coming just for you, you know? Wow. 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 The the expectations are are, are building. Now, what I would would like to do is, we're going to need your help on the show. Um, We, uh, as you might see here in front of you, we have some very famous Romanian treats. And if you watch the Amsterdam show, you'll know that we went crazy for the Dutch treats. Uh, Chad had a little trouble speaking because he had so much uh, licorice uh, and all sorts. The dropia. The dropia. Um, but uh, we're going to ask for your recommendation because live on the show, guys, it's about to happen. Chad is going to try mm-hmm. his first Romanian treats. Now, I have to warn you, he is vegetarian. I believe one of these may... Maybe this one has a little bit of something in it, but you've definitely got four choices there. No. It's okay. He okay. can try any, any of them because they are gorgeous, you know. But I yes. would try this one. Try this one. Okay. What's this one called? Uh, it's called chocolate. <laughs> now, now, let, let me help you. Let me help you with your with your Romanian. Is we have we have maybe you can help us. We have Nagresa. Which one's the Nagresa? This one. Okay, that one's the Nagresa. And then we have the Salam de. Biscuit. Okay, that's the salam, the biscuit. Okay, that's the <laughs> salam. Okay. Kozanak. Uh, oh, that's that. That one looks like that's like dinner right there. Um, okay. Prajitura cu vishin. Which one was that one? Oh, that looks good. And prajitura uh, albaca zapada. Oh no, the wheels are that falling one. off. So oh, that one, that, that one looks... Uh, uh, it's called Snow White Cake. And they're all, they're all... This is the Snow White Cake. Okay. Yeah. Chad, which one is taking your, taking your uh, interest right now? Uh, the Negresa. The Negresa. Oh, okay. So he's a brownie man. All right. Um, so let's talk about Elena. Now, what struck us so much about uh, your history um, and your career was that somehow you've managed to found two companies back-to-back. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey of starting two, doing two startups as a founder? Are you not exhausted? No, (laughs) not at all. No, actually, I'm a co-founder. I'm not a founder, you know. I founded the companies together with my partner, and it's been a hell of a ride. It's been an enjoyable ride, 
but it's also is a difficult ride. So for anyone that thinks that having your own company or starting your own company, being an entrepreneur, being a founder uh, is something very easy and very enjoyable and doing whatever you want because you're the boss. Well, I have some pretty nasty news. It doesn't go like that. Okay, but this, this is perfect because uh, we really have this strong belief that... Um, it's great to be inspired by the stories of entrepreneurs, but it's equally important to really dig into the truth behind entrepreneurship, the, the real things that it takes. In fact, we really try to find practical wisdom from all the people that we study and try and decode. So tell us, what was the greatest challenge of these two companies that you've co-founded? And what was the single greatest challenge? And Give us an insight into how you got through it because you're alive and kicking. You're yeah. fresh off the airplane, yeah. so you're, you're doing something very I'm doing right. Something. Yeah. Well, I would say that the most difficult part in all this journey is to not give up. Because, you know, um, I think there are a lot of urban myths saying that, you know, it's nice to be a startup founder, to start companies, to do whatever you please every day, you know. Uh, but they don't tell you how hard it is. And they don't tell you that it comes back with all those sorts of problems, you know, daily things. Even when you start with little things, when you are at the beginning, you know, uh, nothing can get straight from the first try. You have to try mm. and try and try even harder until you get there. And this path of trying, the, even the path of innovating, because you want to speak about innovation here, it comes with hardship. Yeah. And if you do not continue, even if it's when it's hard, if you do not continue, even when you just want to give up and go away, mm. <laughs> even if you can stay there, you know, stick to your dream because you have a dream, right? You started the thing because you had a dream. Okay, the dream develops in time. It develops in many things. It doesn't remain in his first, you know, inception, in its first form. It evolves together with you and your company. But if you do not follow your path, no matter how hard it is, then you cannot consider yourself a founder. You cannot consider yourself an entrepreneur. You will fail. You have to go over failures over and over again until you make it. And you don't get to, you know, let the others tell you, stop. Right. No, you so, just keep going. So how, how hard did it get? Give us a sense of how, how close did you get to quitting? Like, how tough... Oh. How painful was it? I think that any entrepreneur knows that you are quitting at least one time <laughs> per month, but you are getting back there, you know. No, I'm joking. It's not one time per month. It's, I think, one time per year. I don't yeah. know. Uh, it depends. It depends on whatever, you know, the situations bring. But I would say that, um, for example, we've started, my partner and I started in 2002, and we were developing um, software uh, for uh, managing servers, Linux servers. And um, at some point in time, um, in 2005, I think, one of our uh, biggest customers um, was coming to us to, you know, you know, discuss and see how he goes, what he needs more, um, just, you know, checking the pulse, and he was very affected by the fact that he wasn't able to develop his um, 
business more, uh, he wanted to go into communications. And back then, in 2005, there was no solution, no actual solution for small providers. He was a small provider. He was not a carrier. He's, he was not big. He was not Google. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the solutions that were on the market were like millions of dollars. Uh, and he was very frustrated that even if he had a big hosting company, he would, could not allow to go into another line of business and make more revenue because the, the market was closed, basically. And um, at that point in time, we realized that we have to do something about it. We just wanted to do it, you know. And we started um, investigating a market that we were totally unfamiliar with, the communications market, that was closed. You can even call it a monopole, mm -hmm. you know. There were only a couple of big companies that was, were selling very high, at very high prices, and it, it was Cisco, I don't know, Microsoft wasn't back then, so it, pretty big companies. And I said, okay, we can do this. I mean, we can help our existing customers going there as well, you know, not sticking around on this market that is pretty limited. And we started to, to do the thing, we developed our solution, our first um, platform for unified communications. Back then, was only voice over IP. It transformed in time. In you were doing company. you were doing voice over IP in 2006. Yes. Wow. And not only that, we did do voice over IP in 2006. We did the first platform in the world that was able that give the ability for service providers to offer it hosted. You know, back so then... it was a SaaS also? It yeah. was voice over, P, uh, over IP and a SaaS yeah. business in 2006? Yeah, and, uh, you know, back then there was no such thing as cloud computing. Nobody called it cloud computing. Uh, but we offered it hosted. That was the, um, the term. You know, they didn't have the cloud computing okay. thing that uh, yeah. I think appeared in 2009 or something like that. But uh, it was the first platform in the world for that. Of course, it was too early. Mm. And people really did not understand. I mean, we have uh, we've released it in uh, 2006, and for like one year and a half or two years, it was very difficult to sell it because it was completely ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, uh, people had a very bad impression of voice over IP because it was muddy. Yeah. It, you know, they it, it didn't have a good reputation. Skype was awful back yeah. then. Skype was awful, and you know what? Skype has never been voice over IP. It's peer to peer. It's peer, -to -peer. Yeah. yeah, but people didn't know that, yeah. and they somehow, uh, in their back of their mind, they were making an equal between the two things, the two. Uh, uh, so, so if if you were too early, which is often uh, a common mistake entrepreneurs make, yeah. great idea. Fantastic uh, uh, prototypes. Great uh, some, technology. Great technology. We, we've heard about this a lot in the show. But then you come to the market and you realize what you see as a service, some customers don't even know that they can buy. And so then you're faced with that terrible thing. You have exactly. to educate a market. You actually have to be a market maker. Yes. And that and can be very, difficult. very hard, very yeah. expensive. And I'm guessing this may have been a moment where you looked at your co-founder and said, you know what? Uh... Yeah, well, we were very lucky to have another line of business because otherwise, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how it could have been, you know, the software that we were making for the server market kept us going. So we had but, the streams of revenue from there. Sure, sure. But, but, but tell us, 
when you're faced with this huge challenge um, that you're guaranteed to face whenever you try and do something bold and ambitious, whenever you try and start a company, you are for sure going to face these moments. The valley of darkness is mm. what it's called. How did you get through? What was the thing that got you through to the other side? Like emotionally, like for you, like what could you go back to to regroup, to rebuild and to just wake up and then get back on the bike? Well, I would say uh, there are two things. First, it is that, you know, that first idea that gets you started. In our case, it was the idea that people were prohibited, basically, by the pricing to communicate better. Even between our own, in our own company, there was a problem, you know. We had a communication problem and we couldn't solve it because we didn't have the means. So we've built the means to communicate better. And we have never built products for end users. We always build products for companies, business to business. So uh, we always, um, you know, had that image mm -hmm. from even from our own company, you know, of what we need to build, what we need to do to make our, even our own life better. So, so, so we have this, you know, very yeah. strong, very passionate, very, I don't know how to call it, very strong conviction mission, yeah. and mission yeah. that we need to do something. And if we do it for ourselves, let's do it for everybody, you know. Let's this, make it happen for everybody. Yeah, and this, this is something that we've found across many of the other innovators we've profiled is they start with a problem that they themselves Yeah, of course. You always have. start with a problem, you yeah. know. You don't go from, I want to be an innovator. Here, pick me, pick me, I want to be an innovator. No, you don't do that. That's only in, I don't know, in San Francisco movies or yeah. Hollywood movies made about San Francisco. No, yeah, sure. it doesn't, Silicon Valley, yeah. It doesn't go like that, you know. It's, I have a problem. I have an idea of how I can fix it for myself. Then I see I can fix it for everybody or for, not everybody, but I don't know, most people. Yeah, and then I start doing my thing, I start implementing my thing, I change it like 1,000 times, I change it again and again and again. That's and it, called innovation, by the way. And at uh, gets, is it still changing? Is it in yeah, perpetual of course, change? Of course. And then you get a moment when you're lucky. That was the second thing, because I said two things. Well, uh, the crisis came. And when the crisis came, everybody... You're had talking about 2008, eight, Lehman yeah, Brothers? Okay, yeah, 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 that one which was awful for everybody in, in all the places yes. in the world. And uh, our customers were all over the world. So they had to try to reduce their costs. And our uh, product was, you know, compared to other products, was like a, a, an infinity less, you know, uh, from the pricing perspective. So they started to give it a try. They started to give it a try to voice over IP, uh, which was, you know, reducing costs, not from the software perspective only, but also from the communications perspective as well. So they started to use it. And the user base, I think, grew 100 times in a year. Wow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. In, in 2008, 2009, right yes. after the crisis? Yeah, I think it, it began at the end of 2008, and it, it had a three-digit uh, growth for wow. like two or three years. Wow. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you, do you think uh, the sticking with it and the not giving up like being resilient, Yes. Resilience. do you think in a way that earned you that good fortune and that luck? I mean, 
the fact that you I hope survived. not my resilience was all about the crisis, yeah. but yeah, no, I think uh, that things somehow connect, you know. Uh, yeah. Not giving up gives you some opportunities. Yeah. You take the opportunities, you see beyond the line, you see beyond the, you know, you are speaking here about innovation. Um, the definition of innovation can be in two ways. You can be an innovator by uh, building completely new products or new technologies, right, that no one has built before. And this is a very expensive innovation mm. because it, you know, you know. Uh, or you can take existing things, existing technology, and combine them in different ways and create a completely different product, but with existing things. So I'm not sure if you if you know uh, Mark Andreessen. Hey, yeah, we did yeah. a show on Mark. Yeah. Okay, Mark Andreessen. Um, at some point in time, remember from his Netscape days. Yeah. What his uh, Netscape CEO said at some point: there are only two ways of making money: bundling and unbundling. And what he meant was <laughs> actually that you either do a thing from the beginning from scratch and that's it, that's a new product, or you take existing products or existing things, you combine them in different way, and here you go, you have a different product, new product, nobody has I done it before. It. I love it. And you know, I think there is a very, very clear example with that. Everybody knows Alexa, right? So that's the perfect example about this thing. Uh, you know, uh, Voice recognition is on the market for many, many years. It wasn't that good in the beginning. It started to get better at some point in time. The hardware improved, again, because you need a, a lot of hardware computational power to be able to do voice recognition. Uh, Siri came out, right? We all had Siri. It's annoying I have it closed <laughs> because it's, it drives me nuts. Uh, but what Amazon did, they took the voice recognition and they put it in a speaker. Nobody did that, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. Nobody did that. They took the risk because actually, yeah, that's another thing about innovation. You have to take risks. Yes. When you, you are doing something new, whatever, it doesn't matter how you do it, if it's new completely or you, you know, bundle right. it. Bundling new. or unbundling, Bundling, it's, it's all going to have risk involved. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So uh, innovators take risks and if they take risk, you know, they will eventually... Yeah. And stick with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Now, uh, what's really interesting for the audience to know is that Elena has quite a lot of, shall we say, a deep practice in really working on the internal operations, the efficiency, and the people within your team. Yes. And so we would love to hear some of your thoughts on as you go on a journey before the 2008 crisis, through the crisis, and then after, through two different companies, you must see an enormous amount about how people work and what it takes to build a team to finally succeed at the end of that journey. What advice would you have for anyone here in the audience or any of the uh, viewers online today? What, what advice would you have for them about how to build teams and what does it take, what does it really take uh, to build great culture and to bring people together? Well, I think the most important thing, I'm, I mean, there are hundreds of things. I can go on here, like, for hours. Shall we extend the show? No, I, it's okay. You don't want to hear my sexy voice that much. It's okay. No, I'm just joking. Uh, no, I think the most important thing, it's communication. Communication with the team members, because uh, without having, you know... 
right now everybody talks about collaboration, you know, everybody's, you know, Slack, uh, everybody on the internet, everybody's talking how collaboration is great, how, but they forget something. You cannot collaborate with other people without communicating with them. Mm. So communication mm -hmm. is actually collaboration. The collaboration is the the result of the communication process. So if you don't do the communication process well, if you don't do it efficiently, if you are not productive in your communication, if you don't find out information, if you don't um, spare that information, if you don't store it right so you can find it at any time, in mom any moment in time, then you will have a problem later on with your own people. So I think that the most important thing in a culture, even in a company culture, is its communication ability and its productivity in terms of communication and at the end of the day it will be the productivity of the team. What, what kind of practices have you seen work inside of HubGets to foster good communication? Well, uh, this, is how we, this is how we actually built HubGets because uh, having this experience in voice over IP uh, and we have seen with our customers and even with ourselves that at some point in time Communication started to own us, you know? Yeah, it's like you have a phone, it rings all the time. Buried by email. Yeah. You are buried in emails, you, you have that, I don't know how to say, I'm not sure if I can use that word, idiotic <laughs> need to answer every email that you get in the, the in zero inbox. Uh, stupid thing actually yeah and uh, now you have smartphones and you have notifications that are popping you know popping all the time <laughs> you know what I mean right yeah. and at that point in time we realized that we need to do something about it and do it smart because otherwise uh, the communication will own us mm. and not the other way around and this is how we started to build HubGets we wanted a product first for ourselves and then for everybody else, that put the people first. And what yeah. does that look like, putting the people first in Well, in our case, it meant building an artificial intelligence layer that um, controls the communication, meaning that um, it actually doesn't uh, allow the communication to, you know, come, to, to disturb you, mm -hmm. you know? It, uses some, of course, some uh, data from the communication that you do, and it makes it um, more streamlined, more efficient, so and it doesn't really disturb you. filtering and reducing is, yes. is the first step there. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. and not only that it filters and reduces it, it also, we have noticed that, that uh, when uh, people are less disturbed, they become more happy, and when they are more happy, they become more productive. Uh, I mean, uh, we have worked to this artificial intelligence layer for many years and we have trained it with a lot of data because, you know, in artificial intelligence you need a lot of data to really have, you know, actual results yeah. to, to have... To find the patterns. Yeah, yeah, exactly, to find the patterns. You have to feed them the data, uh, to the algorithms, you know, have to machine learn it. Yeah. They have to <laughs> go to the gym. Exactly, yeah, you have to put them to <laughs> yeah. make some push-ups, yeah. And after making a lot of push-ups, uh, you draw some lines and you reach to some conclusions. And we found out some very interesting facts. I, c I can give you some if you want. I, I, re I have one, a couple of them from our CEO's pr presentation at CloudFest. It was, uh, I will 
give you just two. And you tell me if you don't find them amazingly interesting. And why For example... Why are you looking that up? So the, the idea you're talking about is... I really like the idea that communication... Now, let me just tell you, did you know that... A happy person requires six to ten interruptions in 90 minutes to get annoyed. Say it again, how many? <laughs> six to ten interruptions in 90 minutes to okay. get annoyed. Or, um, hmm, if you want to annoy a person, you have three times more chances between three o'clock in the afternoon and 4.45 in the afternoon. <laughs> now, why do you think that is? Because they're, they're on the deadline trying to get everything out for the end of the day. Maybe that's the explanation. I don't know. I only have the facts. Ooh. <laughs> well, I know some people we could ask if we wanted yeah. to get some insights about these. So um, I think we're at a, at a point, Elena, where we want to now send Chad into the audience. So you have to stay here with me because um, we warned you guys, Chad does come a-wandering. And what we really want to ask of you is what have you, what insights have you come to thanks to, thanks to Elena? I certainly love this idea of survival, resilience, sticking with it. Uh, I love... The most important. Part. Yeah, and, and staying with it. And it's much harder work than what you, you may expect. But there was plenty of other thoughts. I love this idea of like, if you want your coworker to be happy, like stop interrupting. Um, yes. I think this is really, really Isn't powerful. Isn't that a dream for mm -hmm. everybody? You know, mm -hmm. just do their job and, you know, and don't, you know, there's this another hype thing, the fear of missing out. Yeah. Uh, okay, no fear of missing out because you have everything there, so. Yeah. You know, it's a balance. You always have to find a balance, even as an entrepreneur or a, an innovator. You always have to find the balance, you know, the balance between taking decisions, making, you know, taking risks and getting there, no matter what. <laughs> All right. Okay. Book a rest. We're sending chat in the audience. Who has an insight? Who has a learning to share? We've just listened to Elena espousing wisdom, and I can see that the minds are moving <laughs> I don't quite see smoke signals yet. Who's got something that they would I like to share? I'm, I'm, there's lots of bright people in the front, Chad. I reckon you could proposition one of them for, for an insight. This gentleman here, he, now he's a dapper looking gentleman. Let, let's see if this gentleman has a thought for us. Your favorite, your favorite insider learning. My name is Flavio. Uh, what I found quite interesting was on the first story. Because usually a criticism that you get a lot about innovation and engineers is they are very good on creating solutions and then trying to find the problem <laughs> that their solution is, sol is solving. But actually, uh, from a business standpoint, uh, what you have done was finding a solution to an actual problem, but then, and this is the business part of it, then you have to have the right moment where the environment gets aware of the same mm. problem. Yeah, mm. indeed. So basically, you came from a small company, you had an issue with the cost and all this stuff, but you had to have a crisis where everybody went down mm. and suddenly they had the same problem. Otherwise, the problem. they wouldn't have cared. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, for us, it would have been impossible as a small company, of course, to, you know, um, educate them. You know, we had the crisis educating them. 
for this purpose.、Mm. And we you kind of use that, you know. Yeah, what a great constraint to help you create a market. I think that's really yeah. interesting. But, you know, I think that the crisis also helps in other you know ways. You know,、uh, when people are in their comfort zone, they don't get to innovate very much.、Uh, usually, cold showers are good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cold showers.、So, yes. Why innovating when it's so nice? You know. Yeah. So、uh, when you are under pressure. Then you、yeah. get to do things, you know, you move faster, resolve problems, you know. Yeah, this is a great insight. I want to let's see if we can, Roman. Who who's into communication? Who's someone smart that maybe learned something from community? Wander down that that aisle there. See if you can find some bright Bucharesti people. You look like you were paying attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy. Yeah, let's get this guy. <laughs> Favorite insider learning around communication. Yeah,、uh, thank you very much. My name is George.、Uh, I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm running my my company, and、uh, I do enjoy、uh, hearing stories about not giving up. This is、uh, what I really appreciate because I know how much energy and how much effort is behind this. So, thank you for your story. Thank you so much. And I I, I do encourage encourage everyone to not give up. Never. If you have a dream, just walk the path. Yeah, very wise words. In fact,、um, Paul Graham in, in in Silicon Valley has a. He's one of the best、uh, investors. He's one of the founders of Y Combinator, and he actually says survival is success for startups. Survival is success, and in your case, the success came when there was a huge change in the marketplace. I think that was very telling, and you stuck at it for how many years? Well, we are on the market since 2002. Yeah, wow. We celebrated 16, 16 years、uh, last month with the team.、So、wow. We had a pretty wild party.、So、That's great. It was worth、years. it. That's a lifetime. That's incredible. That's、yeah. wonderful. Any last thoughts、uh, before we go to our next guest? Anyone else got some great thoughts to share? There's a very,、uh, a very bright gentleman down here in the suit. He he might have some thoughts about not giving up. And communication within large organizations, huh? Yeah, thank you. My name is Aurelian.、Uh, actually, at the time、uh, when voice over IP was、uh, somehow restricted by the operators, your idea was、uh, a bright one, and I want to congratulate you for that. Thank you so much. Wonderful! What a nice way to end up our time with Elena. Would you all please give it up for Elena? Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it, Mike. So many learnings from our live show in Bucharest. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. So, on that note, Chad, I want to thank you. I want to thank all of our listeners. It's been great having you on board for the journey so far, and there's plenty more to come. So, take care, everyone.、Uh, find us at moonshots.io, and I think that brings us to the end of the show. That's a wrap. <laughs>